0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Voice Cast. We're here to take a look at your favorite animated characters and figure out which voice actors played them the best, the worst, and the weirdest. I'm your host Justin and with me always is Will.
1: Good evening, good morning, good afternoon everyone. It is your boy Will and today we'll be covering a voice I hold very dear to my heart in a series that was a core essential of my childhood.
0: Today we're covering Fox McCloud of Star Fox. Will... Who is Fox McCloud? Fox McCloud is a
1: mercenary that was under the employ of the Star Fox Mercenary. A group founded originally by Fox's father, James McCloud, along with Peppy Hare and Pigma. Originally, it was those three who were running the mercenary, until when they were sent on a mission to go invade the enemy planet of Venom, Pigma sold out Star Fox team, killed Fox's father, and left Peppy barely alive. Now Fox lives in the shadow of his father, trying to not only avenge his father's death in the war, but also to take his reins as a member of Star Fox, along with his crew members, Falco Lombardi, Slippy Toad, and Peppy Hair, along with Rob, Rob64.
0: (laughs) The true upgrade. We are covering six voice actors today who have voiced Fox McCloud. We've both listened to all of their performances separately up until this moment. And please remember, like, comment, subscribe, five stars, wherever the hell you're listening to this right now, and follow us on our social media. But starting out, we are going to be all the way back in 1993. You wouldn't think that a Super Nintendo game would have voices, but you would be surprised. Well,
1: most of it through the entire game was. But someone had to make the buzz.
0: And that man is Dan Ozen. Come in, Cornelia. This is Cornelia. Pepper teaching. Congratulations on a job well done. Roger. I'm heading back to Cornelia. Top of being Fox, he was also General Pepper, the guy who did the very iconic, good luck, and the narrator for Super Metroid.
1: Oh, the good luck guy is actually General Pepper. Right. Good luck.
0: I mean, there's not much to really say at this point. I'm amazed that there's voices here at all.
1: Or at least a facsimile of noise.
0: Right. A a facsimile
1: of conversation. More than just of usual NES games or some Super Nintendo games, like A Link to the Past for all Texas is... <campus>
0: Man, this game really did push some boundaries. On top of using the Super FX chip, like, this game didn't hit its stride until Star Fox 64.
1: But it also, it broke ground on being the one of the first games to use wireframes. Is it? Mm-hmm the Super Nintendo could actually simulate low, very, very, very simple polygons in the form of the wireframes. Which, the wireframes would be on a sprite layer, and then on that, they could project the colors in between the blank spots, creating that polygonal effect. Thus creating, you know, frames. Which, to Star Fox's benefit, I mean, it's, it's a future space opera with, like, base battleships, space fighters, and giant robots. So the angular design, very futuristic wireframe look, is very 80s-like space action, and I love it.
0: Yeah, it's... it really does look good. But, going back to Dan Ozen in Real Fast, he's been actually working at Nintendo for a very long time. Not doing voices, but doing localization, since the early 90s.
1: Good to know that Nintendo does actually give a lot of their in-house people a lot of credit, and a lot of work.
0: Oh, absolutely. And in some circles, this guy could be known as being really important, because while he doesn't do this as much anymore, back in the 90s when he was first starting out, he was adapting a lot of scripts to English, including Link to the Past, Ocarina of Time, and even Earthbound.
1: Which is actually very important, with a lot of the puns that the Mother series likes to do, a bad English translation, the jokes would very much fly over people's heads, because Comedy and idioms do not translate well when it comes to comedy, as shown in an episode of Archer. Actually, where Archer infiltrates like a cat, an island of like animals or something, and when his when he's telling or rebels, and when he's telling his translator, "Hey, say this thing," and they're like, or like his, well, when he's like, he brought up, "Look, last time when you told me to translate, lend me your ears." That literally translates to, I'm going to cut off your ears, give them to me. (laughs) Idioms don't work in translation. In a game full of puns, yeah, language is important. So he was very much a necessary brick in the imperial walls that Nintendo had over the industry in the the late 80s and early 90s.
0: Yeah, I mean, he wasn't the only guy who, who did it. Like, giving him all the credit for Earthbound is... Asinine. Yeah, exactly. Um, But but still, he did contribute
1: a lot. Oh yeah, especially because not only is his repertoire really, really broad and really, really big, but also you know he did translation work. And one of the best parts of Super of of Super Metroid was the the last of the Metroid is in captivity. That was very important for like setting the mood of like how future. Basically, let's just boil it. He's good at future stuff. He's really good at future (laughs)
0: stuff. He's a futurist. I dig it. Moving on, though, we got Star Fox 64, where the series gets a major upgrade, considered, I think, the best in the series easily. And we've got the longest-running Star Fox voice actor, Mike West. Who
1: would also reprise the role of Fox in Star Fox Zero in 2016. 19 years after the premiere game. I'll do my best. Andros won't have his way with me. Open the wings. Check your G-Diffuser system. I see him up ahead. Let's rock and roll. We're entering Corneria City now. Falco, where you going? We're Star Fox. We're heading out. All aircraft report.
0: Yeah, he's been coming back for a while. His most recent credit was in Smash Bros. Ultimate and Battle for Atlantis. Or Atlas. (laughs) Battle for Atlas. Yeah, ding dong. (sighs) This is my favorite voice of Fox, easily. Granted, the voice starting out in 64 isn't delivered all that great, but... And 64 had a terrible sound check. No, I think just the delivery I'm talking about, but that is also true. But the thing is, it totally works given the... Space opera. I was going to say the general N64 quasi-style of being very polygonal, and also the inspiration that Miyamoto had for the design of Star Fox and the character designs came from Miyamoto's love of puppetry, like the original Thunderbirds. Mm-hmm. Which is why the art in the original looks kind of straight, like like puppets. And, and why...
1: that they would even play a part in a Nintendo Direct where Miyamoto, Reggie, and Satori Wada would turn into Fox and 1.
0: Apparently, that was Mike West himself actually controlling that puppet.
1: Mm-hmm. Mike West has always been close with Nintendo.
0: So, as I was saying, the way that his performance isn't great, starting out the same way that the graphics aren't great, and both the technology and his performance were able to actually evolve with the times where when you get to Star Fox Zero, he sounds amazing. Five years have passed. The battle between the Cornarian army and Andros's forces is spreading to every planet in the Lilat system. To carry on my father's legacy, I brought Star Fox out of retirement. I've got the latest technology, and I'm filling the team with pilots I know I can trust.
1: Andros won't have his way with me.
0: <laughs> so quotable. Let's I mean, rock and roll, boys.
1: Let's rock and roll, boys. Actually, in my voice acting work that I've done for Seb's the Hedgehog 3 on my, and on my main channel, where, I'm a, where I do voice work, I have a lot of, line, a lot of performances under my, under my belt of me being Fox. Mike West and, later, Jim Walker are the two people I draw inspiration from for my interpretation of Fox.
0: I mean, if you can get anything out of that boring-ass performance. What, an Assault? Yeah. Assault was amazing, are you fucking kidding me? We'll get to that. (laughs) But now, we'll do with Star Fox Adventures. Stephen Malpass. Hold on, hold on. I got a bit of background stuff. Okay. So, Mike West is a radio guy. First of all, it's great that we're talking about someone who's mainly radio, who's not an asshole. Like Casey Kasem. Yeah.
1: But, more along the lines of, uh, Mike Pollock. Mike Pollock was a cool radio dude.
0: A lot of people started with that. Although, I think Mike Pollack now is more so known for doing the voice work. Yep. So, for Mike West, at least starting out, this was just a job for him. I love that whole perspective of, like, the fans will be like, oh my god, Fox McCloud, Mike West, your voice made my childhood. And he's like, it's just another role. Good job. Like, (laughs) Like, I'm glad. It was just a job
1: to me, but thanks.
0: He went in... I... I was listening to an interview, he went in to record for Star Fox 64, had a very vague idea of what it was, he didn't find out that he was in a video game until his son got an N64, Star Fox 64, and heard himself on the TV. (laughs) So, oh, that's what that was for, like a year ago. I mean, he seems to really enjoy it now, he really wanted Star Fox Zero to be a hit, but because, you know... People want more Star Fox games. I do. Yeah, but... I want a new Star Fox game that's not fucking Star Fox 64 or Star Fox
1: SNES over again.
0: Well, this is something interesting that I... That... Mavic Matos talked about Miyamoto's design, and Miyamoto clearly loves making games, but he doesn't want to make new games just for the sake of graphical overhauls. He actually wants to bring something new to the table. Yeah, but I want new stories, damn it! Star Fox has a total of five stories
1: out of like eight or nine games. <laughs> it's true. Because Star Fox Zero, Star Fox 64, and the original Star Fox, all those three of those games are the same fucking story. It's the same events. The only different ones are Star Fox 2, Star Fox Adventure, Star Fox Assault and Star Fox Command, and Battle for Atlas. But Battle for Atlas isn't a Star Fox game. It's just a game that Fox and the Star Fox universe are guest stars. It's like the Legend of Zelda cartoon. It wasn't a thing until basically the Mario Brothers Super Show said, Hey, our other cartoon! And then it became a cold hit.
0: I remember getting the Mario Super Show on DVD from the library back in the day, and... They would have commercials for the Legend of Zelda cartoon on there. And on every time that you see that commercial, it says, The Legend of Zelda, this Saturday. It's a fucking DVD. I saw it in a local,
1: like, Rite Aid, like, bargain bin. I'm like, oh, it's The Legend of Zelda. I love that Legend of Zelda. (laughs) I I was a really dumb kid and I bought it. Then again, I watched the ever living shit out of a Super Mario Super show. um, I had a VHS of it. And I played that thing until the fucking uh, film got worked, and it wouldn't work anymore. Oh my god, you I poor child. I played the ever-living shit out of it, and I was upset when it wouldn't play. I would also bring it at the kindergarten show, because sometimes in kindergarten... when oh. <laughs> In kindergarten, when we couldn't go outside, people would bring in a movie, and when it was my turn, it would either be that movie or Babe. Let's see, that's so cute. I got made fun of a lot. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh it's like true to that's like true to word for like
0: my entire school career until college. Of course, now that you're out of it, people would be like, "Yeah, I totally agree with you there." Mike West also has a working relationship with Paul McCartney. Nice. So it's like, like I was saying, the people who are like, "Oh my god, I love your voice," and. He clearly enjoys having the work and being a part of this thing, but when you compare it to working with a fucking beetle, it's it's like... Uh, you, you gotta scale up what you do a little bit.
1: Eh. Some people are just known for things that they're known for being.
0: Right. And if that awkward silence means anything to you, we are moving on to... Starfuck's Adventures with Stephen Malpass,
1: who is a... Star Fox Adventures with Stephen Malpott, who is a... I am Fox, and this is the Crown Prince of the Earthwalkers. We've been sent by the Snowhorn Gatekeeper to find the Spellstone. Do you know where it's hidden? Probably just a Rare employee that said, Hey, guy, we need you for like a minute.
0: Well, to be fair, that's all the voice actors of Rare Games.
1: Yeah, he would also voice Jolly Roger from Banjo Tooie. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, very gay. Very gay salamander sailor. Boss McCloud from Melee, and then Mac Daddy Jolly Roger from Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts, <laughs> along with, like, Trophy Thomas, who's also fucking flinged out of his goddamn mind, and I think he was the inspiration for Ninja's hairstyle. He would also, in the Perfect Dark Games, he would voice Elvis, Jonathan Steinberg, and Grimshaw.
0: A bit of background. Dinosaur Planet for the N64, where you take control of two characters, one of them being Saber and the other one being Crystal. Somewhere along development, Nintendo asked them to make it into a Star Fox game, Crystal stayed, and Saber became Fox. Well, while some
1: controversy on that is that it was Miyamoto slamming his dick around, no, it was actually advisable that, look, the game will do a lot better in sales if you make it a Star Fox game. Two characters are basically Foxes, and one of them looks scale-for-scale like Fox the fought already. If you come out with the game, people are going to say that they just reused
0: Star Fox. But if you just make it a Star Fox game, it's going to sell good. And it actually sold rather well. Well, I have an interesting theory about that. But first of all, Fox in this game comes off disinterested, a sarcastic dick, but it makes sense in context. He's coming into this strange world of Dinosaur Planet where
1: he's not allowed to use any of his technological devices because they are a primitive planet. And they borrowed that from Star Trek. If a planet has not advanced to do space travel on their own, by, I think it's called the the Galactic Doctrine or something like that. Star Star Trek fans are going to roast me at the stake for that one. But basically, you can't bring technology to a primitive planet on the off-end that you get jumped and give them super weapons or you scare the ever-living shit out of them because they don't know what the fuck you have. What you what you say is, oh, it's just your, just your typical um, uh, civilian-grade blaster. Ah!
0: Fucking nuclear boomstick! What is that? Touché. But that's a much better explanation than what General Pepper said in the game, where it's like, it's always the same with you, Fox! Shoot first, ask questions later!
1: Well, that is also true. It is a peace mission. That's true. It starts off as a peace mission, as a rescue. When you're doing a rescue, you want to keep it as peaceful as possible. Because if you do something wrong, you just caused a fucking war. But then it turns out, no, no, they're already at war. Oh, and thanks to some ancient fucking magic and some weird mumbo-jumbo, the fucking chunks of the planet are being launched into space and basically being made into satellites. Yeah. Which you just basically burn it down what was supposed to be a space
0: opera basically turned into a fucking holy war. A lot of people don't like this voice. I think it's fine. For Fox? Definitely. Yeah, I mean, I can only guess that people don't like the personality because... Star Fox has always been a
1: snarky dick, though. Like, in a lot of his, like, conversations in the Star Fox games previous, it's usually him getting... either him confirming something or getting snarky
0: with something. I was actually thinking, what if this was a Falco game? Because the personality falls more in line with Falco and Might be crazy, but might not have sold nearly as well if it was Falco, but look at Luigi's Mansion. Luigi's Mansion is a cold hit that did it sell well or poorly when it first landed? Oh, it it, it was a console sell. Okay. It was the GameCube console stuff, because we wouldn't get Sunshine until much later. Luigi's Mansion was THE launch title. I thought I remember people saying that they didn't like it because it wasn't a Mario game.
1: That was a very select view. Luigi's Mansion became a cult classic. I know. Luigi's Mansion at the beginning was a cult classic, and then it just grew and grew and grew, because it established that, hey, you can do spooky games on Nintendo and then when we get eternal darkness and his requiem and goddamn that game is amazing.
0: And so so's this. If Falco was the star and people saw that as a spin-off, I think it would have done better. Maybe we, we would have gotten a sequel. Yeah, I wouldn't say that. I don't know. I mean anything's possible. Falco wouldn't
1: care about well, the thing was the back story, A little bit of backstory during Star Fox Adventures. After Star Fox 64, Falco went rogue. Falco went on his own because Falco only was with Star Fox to fulfill their contract in the Lilat Wars. So afterwards, Falco took the money and left to go do his own thing. And in the end of the game, he comes back saying, Hey, I got told. Hey, I got told you needed help, Fox. I'm here to help you. I'm here to save your skin, Fox boy.
0: In this really stupid Brooklyn accent. Hey, it made Falco Falco. What do you say? <laughs> I think that's actually really clever. Is
1: that... The second in command, but also the fucking... The, the guy who's very, who's very overconfident, and very confident in his abilities, but is also like the sass master of the group. In a yes. group of people known for fucking making cracks at each other.
0: Yeah, so that we don't have both Fox and Falco both being sarcastic dicks. Falco's used very sparingly in this game, only at the very end. Also, you gotta lie, the dude's British. See, Malpass is British. He hides it pretty well.
1: In Brit, Like Hugh Laurie and Mr. Bean. (laughs) Mr. Bean doesn't talk. I'm the actor for Mr. Bean. I forget his
0: name. Rowan Atkins. Rowan Atkins, yeah. Also, Malpass, I think, does sarcasm really well, like <laughs> I yeah, was just he does. Lo- I was just looking at this one clip where Fox first enters the shop, and the shopkeeper's like, welcome our supplies are over there and right behind you, where he just entered, that's the exit and Fox just looks behind him and he's like oh, thanks <laughs> it really works Yeah Especially all the
1: just all the uh, Prince Tricky commentary. All the Prince Tricky commentary is really good too.
0: I can see him getting annoying after a while, but the voice isn't that bad. Tricky, Tricky gets annoying for at first, but then he definitely you, you learn to love the little bastard. That's another one of those games that I need to play. I got not very far with a friend and got lost. It's, it's another
1: rare collectathon To be fair, it's very easy to get lost in the game because of the transition points.
0: Right. The game does a surprisingly
1: amazing job at having, like, little to no loading screens. Like, everything is one whole map. There's no, like, screen transition between you going from the Earthwalkers village to the Sky, uh, Flyers' village, or whatever they're called, or going into dungeons or what have you. There's no loading screen. You just transition
0: in naturally. That's a relief. Cause can you imagine this game on the N64? Oh, man. It would actually do well. Actually, the 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 demo they
1: had for the game on the N64 when it was still known as Dinosaur Planet is actually really really up to spec. And to be fair, I like that design of Fox better than like 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 uh, along the same lines of Nitro Rat. With I, I like that they just look like foxes, not like amp, fully anthropomorphized Bugs Bunny level like rat.
0: Yeah, I, I see that. They decided to more like match the more nature-like world and actually make him look like a person who would actually live there.
1: Yeah, they made him look like some sort of weird alien.
0: Also, we have to mention that he also did his voice in Melee, which have become melee. iconic at this point. Ha! tato Ha! Ya! yak! Mission complete!
1: Sorry, mission complete!
0: Yeah, that's it. I'm going to give it to him. I like this one. It's a very solid box. And the start of a
1: generational shift while we turn to Jim Walker of Star Fox Assault. Team Star Fox, ready for duty. Yep, of course, General. Okay, I see now. So
0: we're here because... Let's go, team. All ships, avoid the Armada's fire. Aim for Oikini's flagship. We can't give up now. And head straight downhill. In New York. in my opinion, I do have to make that clear. A lot of people really like this one. I don't like it. I think it is very bland.
1: Well, he doesn't have much under his bed anyway. The only other voice he would voice is James McCloud, Fox's dad in Star Fox Assault. And in special The Draw, where he is Fox, he also voices Leon Kowalski when you do the Wolf-Venom interactions.
0: And he really hams it up there. And it is funny. Here... Okay... I respect this game for continuing the narrative with Crystal joining Star Fox and Pigma leaving Star Wolf, but my god, Fox is so boring in this. No offense to the guy, because it sounds like he had a good time, and you know what? More, more work for him, hooray. But Fox has something that I like to call Mario Syndrome, and that's the main character of a game, or really anything having little to no personality compared to the other people around them. What does Fox really have that separates him from everybody else, except being, you know, kind of cocky, kind of sarcastic, kind of brave?
1: He's the leader that's trying to follow in his dad's footsteps. So he's trying to be professional as he can be, but he's also trying to be the reliable leader that if things go wrong, he will take full responsibility, even though it's maybe something out of his control. He's the very straight-laced kind of leader. Your your typical um, uh, Red Ranger, or uh, Captain Kirk, or Captain Card.
0: Yeah, but Kirk is still a womanizer.
1: But that ends up being his only gift. He's a womanizer. Doesn't really have much personality beyond that, other than a guy who does an old acting, uh, an old acting strategy that involves taking breaks to add more emphasis in dramatic moments. Which just ends up making him look like a
0: spaz. I guess, but that's still better than this. I mean, personally, I don't think that, quote-unquote, a leader is a personality trait. We talked about this with Leonardo. We were all kind of like, no no one wants to be Leonardo. People want to be Mikey, Donatello, or Raf.
1: People actually would like to be Fox because he he does, his personality is definitely more played down as compared to everyone else. That's because Fox has been like the focus, was the focus for like an entire game previously and they wanted, they probably wanted to give other characters more time to break out. All we know is, Slippy
0: sounds like this,
1: and Peppy is really old sounding, but instead they actually give them genuine personalities like, despite Slippy being, well, they give Slippy a better voice, but despite Slippy being, he occasionally fucks up, the guy's not a pilot, in fact. He's only there on Star Fox as the mechanic. That's like telling the mechanic, go do field work. They're going to be like, look, I know how to fix engines. And Falco, being the Sky Ace, is going to make fun of the guy who's always fixing up his ship because I can fly better than you. But that's the only thing that Falco has on slip.
0: That's fine, but what does Walker bring to the table that West or Malpass don't? Mm,
1: interactions with Crystal. And a break in his shell of professionalism. Like, Falco is... Even in even the salt, he, he is a sassy lad. But it also shows that he has a, he has an affinity for the pretty ladies. By getting literally fucking, like, weak-kneed and stuttery around uh,
0: Chris Okay. Jim Walker, though... His main thing is being a musician. And I listened to some of his stuff on his website. He's got some good stuff in there. I liked it. I was listening to that at full blast while I was playing through some Hades.
1: Who knows, maybe we can get him contact him through his website, we can get an interview on... Was it a directional thing, or was that his
0: best shot at possible? Well, we all know. But one thing during an interview that I did see with him that did make me laugh was that his work, at least at the time of him starting out, was mainly jumping between music work and voiceover work. And... He says that he started getting voiceover work when someone who he knew said, you have a nice normal guy sounding voice. And I'm like, that is exactly what Fox sounds like to me here. It's just, it's, it's toast. It's, if the, if it was a flavor, this flavor is toast to me.
1: How toasted is This, this is a very important question.
0: Very slightly under crisp. Where... It's almost to a baseline, but it's not quite there yet. Ah. But I do think that the next one.
1: is less done toast than
0: that. I think it's a bit better. Whatever his name is, I fucked it up, but I don't want to say it again because I'm. Zieja. Zieja. Joe Zieja. During the Star Fox Zero, the battle begins short. The name's Fox. Fox McCloud. My father passed away five years ago. To carry on his legacy, I brought his team out of retirement. Star Fox, the elite squadron
1: he founded and died to protect. I've recruited the best teammates a squad leader could ask for. Like a brilliant young inventor and close friend from my academy days, Slippy Toad and Falco Lombardi, a hotshot flyboy who's kind of a handful, but also one of the best pilots I've ever met. And that's Peppy Hare. My father's old so wingman. A seasoned pro. The glue that holds the team together.
0: And just look at this mess where you boys raise in a barn.
1: Oh. And a bit of a nag. Uh, Joe's the agent. But also, voice Bumblebee in, Warp, in the Warp Cybertron trilogy. The Operator in Ghost of the Shell. Standalone Conference 2045. Adventure he Online. He's Huey and Wright. And his most famous performance, he is Claude Van Rygen in Fire Emblem Three Houses. He sounds bored. Like, he he sounds like he's just reading off of script to me. Which, you say for Jim Walker, I say for Joe.
0: That's fine. I thought this short was a lot of fun. And the voice is a bit above average, like a 6 out of 10.
1: I'll agree with you there, 6 out of 10.
0: I mean... (laughs)
1: That's about it. (laughs) And now we'll get to the make or break of our video. As we've seen with our One Piece video, the make or break point was definitely when we were assigning points. Now it's time to tally up which one was the best, the worst, and the weirdest. Though I'm not going to say there was a worst. I will. I'm going to say there's a, a most average. For the best, in my end, it's Mike West most average joe zieja and weirdest small
0: pass because surprisingly nice to listen to very sober i can agree to that but for me best is mike west worst is jim walker again dude if you're listening i'm sorry and weirdest is dan ozen in the original
1: Man, we show them a video where we're just talking like bah, 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 talk like fucking either banter, kazooie shit, or like, blah, 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 blah. and then just have like portraits of us and
0: flapping mouth moves. That sounds like a disaster. Anyway, like I have said before, thank you so much for watching. If you liked what you saw. Please like, comment, subscribe, comment down below your best, worst, and weirdest, and follow us on our social medias.
1: And definitely give us some feedback on how you feel about us branching out with a more variety of content in the comment section below. Yeah,
0: please give us some suggestions. I've been Justin. And this is Will. And we'll see you guys next time. Sayonara. Peace out. Star Fox out.